The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual host, guest, random reptoid, or chupacabra may not necessarily reflect those of AM950 Radio, its affiliates, or its sponsors. Now, it's time to step into the unknown. There are things people experience but never talk about. A shadow moving in the corner, flickering up the lights, a disembodied voice. We invite you to talk with us, share your story, share your experience, because this isn't just your story, this is our story. This is Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. And this is Ghost Box Radio on AM 950, where every night we talk about the paranormal, ufology, Bigfoot, and so much more. My name is Greg Bakken. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. I hope that everyone's enjoying uh, the mild winter weather that we've been having here in the Twin Cities. If you are listening from outside the Twin Cities, I do see some areas. Uh, I, got, I saw some pictures of a friend who uh, had pictures that they posted from being in Michigan. And that looked uh, pretty cold out there. So uh, I hope that uh, you're enjoying the winter, that you're getting the weather that you want. That's for sure. Uh, You know, I got a lot of feedback yesterday about the uh, episode about the aliens and uh, that we did last night. And, uh, you know, I I really feel good that so many people uh, got something out of it, that they felt good about it. I really do appreciate that very much. We will be doing more, as we call Just Greg episodes, where uh, it'll just be us all talking. We don't have to necessarily have a, have a guest on, but uh, we'll, we'll have a good conversation. Tonight we do have a guest, and one that I'm, I, I'm very fond of. Uh, we actually, back, remember back in the day when I was doing this once a week, uh, we had on Lynn and Monet, uh, we had her on uh, sometime, I think it was March last year, something like that, and uh, we, we talked about uh, one of her books, Omnipresent, and uh, knowing full well that uh, there were more books, more discussion about what happened. Um, and when, when doing the show on a weekly basis, it's hard to kind of focus in and, and have like a series where we talk about certain subjects and stuff. And now that I'm nightly, I think that's one of the best gifts of being nightly is the fact that I have the opportunity to kind of kind of have a series of episodes about a subject. And so we're going to be doing that with Lynn. It was not going to be consecutive nights. It's going to be over the course of from now into February that we're going to have Lynn on a few times talking about each book. And I think that's a real way to understand What's going on? Remember, we're going to be talking about the book, but <clears throat> remember that it does. There's no, there is no uh, substitution for actually reading it and reading all the details. And uh, this is only uh, a, a kind of a, a kind of a, a, a warmer to it to kind of get the idea and understand why it is something you should be reading. For those of you who have read Omnipresent uh, that are watching tonight. Feel free to put some comments or questions into the comment section. If you're watching us on Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken on Facebook or um, AM 950 Radio on Facebook, uh, please put in any comments that you want and we will see them. Uh, but uh, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. It's nice to have a refresher actually as well. And so I'd like to, uh, I'd like to welcome in 
author Lynn Monet. Lynn, welcome to Ghost Box Radio. Oh, Greg, thank you so much for having me. I was really, really looking forward to doing this with you tonight. Well, and I was too, and I've, I really appreciate that uh, you're, you're, you take the time and uh, we were able to get you in this quickly. You've been, you've been very busy, actually, haven't you? Yes, I have. I've been very busy. I just came back from Denver and shooting a, um, a, a segment for Beyond Belief with George Norrie um, for Gaia that should be coming out uh, the end of March. That's fantastic. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Very cool. And, you know, I, I, I can't help but think, in a sense, uh, the kind of, from to be fair, what little I know about you, but I know enough about where you were at the time that the events in Omnipresence started to now. I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. I have I have learned so much since that occurred and had met so many wonderful people that have all added pieces to the puzzle to help me make sense of some of the things. And I've been able to, um, you know, advance with my my gifts and things like that as well. So I'm I'm actually kind of grateful that I did have the experience because I've been able to help a lot of other people. Now, the book is called Omnipresent uh, by Lynn Monet. You can find it on uh, Amazon, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, Barnes and Noble. Even Walmart has it. So. Even, even Walmart has it. And uh, <laughs> if if you're fine with it, Lynn, I'm going to put it up on GhostboxRadio.com. I have a page where we do affiliate links for Amazon. So if uh, anybody who's listening would like to uh, get a copy, get it however you need to. But it would be very helpful if you do it through the affiliate link with us. Um, now, the book itself. Uh, what what led you? to write this book, this first one? Well, um, I, I've always had the gift of second sight ever since I was um, a little girl. I've, had, I've been able to see um, ghosts and things like that. But I went through a period of time where um, my mother had changed religions. I was raised Presbyterian, and she went, took a job with the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a book within itself, and yeah. um, I became afraid of my gifts. But as a Moving forward in my life as a single mother, I purchased a home that, unbeknownst to me, was so haunted that I was never able to move into it. Mm. And because of the experiences that I went through with the book and the and the lack of real help that's out there that's willing to even come forward and, and how you can be taken advantage of seeking help, um, it made me write, write the book, hopefully to help people. What, what, what does omnipresent mean? Omnipresent means always there. So it can be taken a dark way or a light way. Usually omnipresent is, is used when you're referencing God or, or something, a higher being, more light. But there, it, it's, in this case, it's always, like it's always lurking. So there's always dark around us and always light around us. And what you choose to do with that is up to you. That's really interesting. I mean, that is, that is the case. And in, in the book... I mean, there's there's a, a fair amount of darkness. Yes, there definitely is a lot of darkness. Well, and and I'm in, tr- in this, right? and I'm sorry. I'm trying to be, you know, I, I'm trying not to be sensational about it because I mean that's what we expect from you know the shows and stuff, the darkness. But that is what the that is what happened in this situation. Yes, everything that is in this uh, in the book is true. It happened. Um, I nothing is fabricated. I wrote it in such a way that if they wanted me to sit on a lie detector test, that I would gladly <laughs> take one and I would pass it with flying colors. So um, 
Yeah, it's it's the real deal. And I didn't write it for the scare factor um, in it. I wrote it just as as it was very straightforward. And it's written in first person. It's kind of more yep. like sitting down with somebody and saying, hey, I've got a story to tell you or something that happened to me that I want to tell you about. And that's kind of how it goes. But because it's true, and those events really happened, it makes it, uh, it'll put you on the edge of your seat. That is for sure. You're not going to want to read it at night. Which is the only time I can read. Uh, thank you for that. Because uh, I still have, uh, just so you all know, I got, I have uh, Lynn's other, I have all of her books, but I have two of them that I am going to uh, try to get through before we get her back on so I can speak with some form of intelligence. I know that's kind of a stretch. Um, but uh, uh, the, the thing about that is last night on, on the show, I did something, I did a conversation about aliens uh, and I was a very, uh, very honest and open, not just for myself, but the, the listeners who shared their experiences. And I think, you know, I've, I really feel like that this kind of comes true with what you experienced here. And, and not, this isn't, let me backtrack because it is absolutely not what it is. What I'm trying to say is for people who get a real kick out of the dark stuff, you know, that they really love reading the dark stuff. Yes, it's there, but be careful for what you wish for because it could actually happen. You never wanted that. That's why I backtrack. And I'm like, no, that's not what you ever wanted. But when people are like, oh, yeah, I can, I can handle this. I can do this. I can do that. And the fact of the matter is, if you are really faced with darkness, and I don't think a lot of the people who are like, you know, paranormal warriors, wannabes, that go into these locations, if if you really ran into darkness, that's a, that's a totally different type of strength that you are. I think you have to really dig deep in some ways to pull out. That is absolutely true. And, you know, when I wrote the book, um, the, the whole thing actually disappeared off of my computer twice and I had to rewrite it three times. Oh, my God. Because, as you know, when you're dealing with this sort of thing, they like to be recognized but not exposed. And I also, after having four uh, friends of mine read the book uh, in preview, um, lights were turning on and off in their house. Their kids' toys were turning themselves off in the other room. They had flashlights flashing in another room. So I took the book and had every page blessed and that's why there's a cross at the bottom and not because of Christianity I needed to have some symbol placed at the bottom that represented something of the light not the dark in order to hold it and that seemed to to help because I didn't want to bring this kind of negativity into other people's home and have events start occurring I wanted them to have the information so that they were informed and empowered but I didn't want to bring the darkness with it because that can happen in our chat, Julianne asked the very same question that you just answered. So, Julianne, you absolutely did see Lynn on another, another podcast. And, uh, you know, that is a real concern uh, that I, I do think, and I've always said uh, to people who read this stuff, I don't think there's a problem with reading it. And it's good to be educated, but you kind of have to prepare yourself. You have to kind of, uh, you, you almost, you have to kind of put some protection on you when you read anything to do with uh, dark uh, matter, because to your point, you're, you're doing everything you can more than any other uh, author that I think I've ever heard do to go to such extent for protecting the readers. 
but as a reader, you kind of need to kind of finish it on your end as well. That's true. And I also have the book open and close with a prayer um, of whatever prayer you choose. I, I put the Lord's Prayer in there, but you don't have to choose that one. But I think that any time that you open it and close it, that you, you should say that so that you're putting that boundary and you're, and you're, and you're having it stay in its, pla- stay in its place. So I did that also as a protective measure. And, and you know, I noticed the cross on in the book. And I, now that you mentioned what it was for, it, it's kind of eerie. You know, I mean, but I mean, I appreciate it as well. I mean, it, it is something that uh, you, you have to you have to be careful of. And I, I do think, you know, I, this is a really good and I think when we get into second segment, we'll get into really the, the meat of the book. But I what I really am liking out of this conversation is the reminder that this this material is out there for us to reference, learn from read but we we have to be careful and we have to watch over each other even reading this stuff and for anyone who's coming into it be like ah it doesn't matter we'll just do i'll just read it i'm not afraid of it good luck <laughs> i totally totally agree with that it's it, you, you don't want to bring those things forward and it is important that people do understand that there is a paralleling existence paralleling us and that, um, you know, it, it gives them the freedom of choice, but that they do need to protect themselves from it. And it's not just something that you take lightly. You There's a respect that goes with it. And there's also, you know, a precaution that goes with it. And you need to be sure that you're taking both. It's not a game. These aren't trained monkeys, people. These are spirits, some of them friendly, some of them not. And, and um, you know... Yeah, you, you know, like like uh, Greg had said, you know, you, you may get more than what you're asking for. Now that you have experienced this, do you feel uh, in a sense and I don't want to be too grandiose with this statement, but I think you'll you'll kind of get where I'm getting at here. Do you feel that you are easier targeted in the future by such entities or do you feel that you are more protected um, in such situations because of what you went through? You know, it, it goes it goes a little bit both ways. Um, my light is bright, so um, lost souls are attracted to me. And, and, I'll, and because I have the gift of second sight, I can see mm-hmm. them. I don't need the blinky flashlights and the cat balls and stuff like that because I can see them. But also in the same token, um, I, I, do ha- I do have to keep myself protected because um, I have seen demons. I've seen aliens. I've seen all kinds of things. And they know me by my first name. Yeah. So what I have learned, so all of us that are in this line of work um, are, are haunted basically anyway. We're all haunted. Yeah. So, but the thing is, is I've learned some, some new things that have helped me protect myself um, for one thing, any kind of joy and laughter is like is like repellent to them. Mm-hmm. And you and you and you know you take showers to keep your body clean and you do things to to keep your your you know your your health good. But people so often they they ignore the fact that they have an energetic field around them that is called an auric field that they also need to keep intact and not have cracks, so to speak, in the windshield so that they can be adversely affected by something more negative. Absolutely. Uh, Why don't we go ahead and do this? Let's take our first break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to really get into this book. If you've read the book or you have any questions based on what we're talking about tonight, 
put into the comments. It's a, gonna, a great opportunity to talk to somebody who's been through a lot, can really help us out. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio on AM950. Welcome back to Ghost Box Radio and AM 950. My name is Greg Bakken. Thank you very much for joining me. Tonight we have author Lynn Monet on the program. We are talking about her first book, Omnipresent, and we're going to get into a little bit more details about the book and the traumatic experience that uh, not only you, Lynn, had, but your family as well. Yes, and friends too. That's so right. there were there were a lot of um, you know, workers, all kinds of people that had experiences there. It's amazing how uh, your friends do get affected by these situations. You know, it just it's you know sometimes I think people forget about that part of it, but it's very prevalent. Uh, before moving on, Julianne says it could be uh, regarding uh, the power of uh, what uh, the the book can have. Uh, Julianne says it could be equivalent to having a haunted item that has energy and words in a book are energy. You know, the funny thing is, you know, when I say funny, I don't mean funny at all, actually, uh, that uh, you think about what is it that people use in exorcisms? They use, uh, they use verses, they use words. You know, why, why doesn't it work both ways? You know, of course it does. So something, something that people uh, should, you know, kind of think about and protect themselves while, while doing this. But it's worse having to live through it. And so uh, can you walk us through a little bit about the events in uh, the first book, please? Yes. Um, I, as a single mother, I'd been looking for about a year for a house and this uh, house came up on the market and the realtor called me and she said, um, this house is not even on the MLS yet. My colleague just came back from taking pictures and it is in your price range and it is too good, almost too good to be true. And of mm. course that should have resonated with me because it was, yeah. um, it was a 2,400 square foot, two story house on a Florida flat half acre lot, which is good, good luck finding that in North Carolina. And it, it was a beautiful, beautiful home. And, um, we went to go there and things pretty much started happening right away. However, because I had been conditioned from age 10 until 16 with being told that my gifts were demonic and that I was possessed. I mean, if I, I was continuing to still see things, but I would run out of a room just as fast as anybody else, or I would ignore them. So I was ignoring the things that were occurring in the house when we went in there at first, but I did, there was consistent problems with the lock on the double entry doors and with the keys not coming out or it wouldn't turn. And I had gone ahead of my realtor who was struggling to get the key out. And out of my peripheral vision, I saw a young man hanging in the stairwell. This was a split level house where you would enter in in a foyer and then it had ascending and descending stairs. And he was hanging in there. And I remember seeing him as clear as day. And I turned to look directly at him. And of course, then nothing was there. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, you know, why would I be thinking of something so awful? The neighbor next door verified that the young man of the people that originally moved into the house that built the house in the 1970s and people, it's not about the age of the house. It's about the age of the ground that it's built on. Mm -hmm. A brand new house can be haunted if it's built in the wrong place. And um, it was verified by the next door neighbor who was the very first house on the street 20 years earlier that the people that built the house next door to him had a son that did in fact commit suicide and hung himself in the stairwell of that house. 
So that was validated. And I only ended up, um, as I said, I never moved in. Um, I did purchase it in March. I owned it for eight months and I was trying to get renovations and things done on it. And I couldn't keep workers in there. I had four workers come in there. The last one was stoned all the time. So he basically carried attachments with them. They were his friends. So they didn't bother him. But um, the first three, I ended up with the third one. It was a friend of mine's cousin who I got to find out what had happened to him while he was in there, which was interesting. But um, everything kind of started as we spent the first well and I actually back up a little bit when we went over there the first day after I received the keys um, I was standing in the kitchen preparing dinner and my daughter comes into the the doorway and she says mom uh, what did you want and I said well I didn't call you and she said yes you did she said you called me twice and I said that I was coming and you called me you know the second time and I said no I swear I didn't call you and she said I swear you did and of course my son comes in and he's peering in under her arm and he says, mommy, I heard you call her too. So these things immediately started mimicking our voices. They Mm. knew who the mother was. They knew what our names were and everything kind of started up pretty fast, but I was in denial. I'm like, oh, well, you know, Brittany's a common name. Maybe it's somebody outside calling her kid home for dinner and we'll meet the other Brittany and you'll make good friends. So I kept trying to make it okay. I mean, you, you kind of, have to right with kids and stuff and and let alone the fact is that you've put everything into this house now <laughs> yeah i've signed on the dotted line it's not like you can go back and say gee um i don't want this anymore i found out that it's haunted so you need to undo the mortgage and give me my money back yeah i mean you're you're stuck <laughs> i had i had, yeah i had signed on the dotted line however fortunately i had a place that I was living in. And because I purchased the house in March, I didn't plan on moving in with my kids until the summer so that I could have the house renovated. They could finish out their last eight weeks of school in their own schools with their friends. And then they'd start fresh at the very beginning of the year with new kids and even with maybe kids that they've met in the neighborhood. So they're not, you know, being dropped in in the middle of the year. And Um, during that time, we spent two nights there. And the first night that we spent there, my daughter had a friend do a sleepover and, um, two o'clock in the morning, that girl was ready to go home. She had gone into the kitchen to get some Oreos and something spooked her bad enough that she wouldn't even go to the bathroom without having my daughter along. And I mean, how many 13 year olds do you know, in the middle of a sleepover, want to get up at two o'clock in the morning and go home? You know, they want to stay up all night giggling. And, um, that, that was the very, very first night that we spent there, and she had actually seen something in, in, in the kitchen um, that did bother her. But the second night was where things really started to amp up. Because the first night wasn't enough. The second night is when it really started. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Just as like already the first night, it's like, are you kidding me? Though the one takeaway I do have from that is now I want Oreos. But anyway, uh, <laughs> you're sorry, the second night now. Yes, the second night um, was about a week later. My ki- my kids were wanting to go. And of course, this time I was going to bring the dog with us. Um, I had a little schnauzer dog. And um, when we got there, the dog didn't want to go in the house. She kept bulking and bulking. And finally, her, her collar came over her head. And I thought maybe she had to go to the bathroom. So I tied her to a tree out in the front yard and let her run around. But when I went to bring her into the house, she was darting around the house looking for an exit. She did not want to be in that house and some of an event did occur 
while she was downstairs with my children that I found out after the fact. And she was trying to get out of the room that she was downstairs with them in that she was almost dug a hole in the drywall next to the door. That's how scared she was. And um, of course, I didn't understand when I saw the dog come up in the kitchen. She's trembling. I'm thinking that she was cold. So I wrap her up in a towel, but that dog would not take her eyes off of me. And um, so that particular night, my kids had pulled the, I had blow up mattresses because we weren't moving in until the summer, mm -hmm. but we were going to stay over. So my kids had drug their mattresses into the master bedroom and they had a TV playing. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I've started so many things. I just want to finish one in the house. So I took on the master bathroom and went in and painted the ceiling and the walls. And when I came out to go to the kitchen to clean my brushes, um, after I finished up, I started to exit the kitchen. And that is when I saw the first demon coming up the from the lower level across the front entry doors and shot up in front of me uh, when the ascending stairs and down the hallway to the mass towards the master bedroom. Now my kids had been seeing things, but they weren't saying anything. So I found that out after the fact. So I'm standing there frozen. I mean, this thing was the most horrific thing I've ever seen. It was up on its haunches. It had a narrowing to its face with with nose holes or nares uh, like a sick. horse. Yeah. And it had a tapering to it. And, the, and, the, and the, the appearance of it, it was a brownish color and, and the skin just kind of hung over the bone uh, with it and it had very, very long nails. And it with it shooting down the hallway, I, I just kind of froze. And I'm like, what on earth is that? And my kids were sleeping and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've been painting and there were fumes and I haven't eaten in a while. And I'm trying to rationalize why I'm seeing this thing yeah. until I hear my dog growling at the end of the hallway. And of oh course, God. that kind of, I immediately go down to see what's the matter with her. And she is standing in the doorway of that bedroom with her hair up on her back, ferociously growling. And when I walked into the room, I went to pet her on the top of her head and she put her ears back for a minute, but she still stood there. Well, it just so happened um, that particular night I showered and laid down with the kids. But when we got up the next morning, I said to my daughter, I said, well, how did you sleep last night? And she said, I didn't. She said, I felt like something was standing in the doorway staring at me all night long. Nope. And when my, yep. And when my son got up, he, the night before had taken a bath and he had on shorts, uh, pajama shorts and a shirt. And um, he woke up with bite marks in three places oh, on his wow. legs, upper and lower. I mean, they were purple and you could count the teeth. And I asked oh, my son, I said, uh, you know, Austin, what, what happened? Said, what happened? You know, and they were, they were smaller than they would have been if my dog had bitten him and she wasn't prone to biting anyway, but they were bigger than like a rat or something. So um, he starts touching him and he's like, well, I, I don't know. And I mean, that happened while he was sleeping and, and, Anybody that would be bitten that hard that it could leave, you could count the teeth marks, you would have felt it. You would have woken and, up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he didn't. He slept through it. So, oh, um, yeah, that's where that was actually the last night that we spent the night there. Okay, so uh, first of all, I have to say, you know, it's amazing how, and I've, I've heard this before, and I think a lot of people would run it, when you run into this sort of situation that something scares the you-know-what out of you, 
but you're able to have a pretty good idea of how to describe it. You know, like this this entity that you saw because it it like burns into you, doesn't it? The 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 sight of it, it kind of burns into you. It does, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. And and with and uh, like I said, I mean, I I can draw a picture of it and remember it just as clear as as, as if it was yesterday that I did see it. But um, yeah, I I um because I could no longer deny what was happening. And the thing was, is that several days after, you know, you, you kind of go get away from the house for a while and you start questioning yourself and you're like, oh, but it's such a nice house. Maybe I was imagining what I saw. You know, the kids weren't talking about what they were seeing at that point. And so I went back and I had the third worker there, the other two didn't ever finish the job and they had reasons that sounded reasonable of why they didn't come back. Not one, one guy left his DeWalt tools. He didn't even yeah. come back for those. So, um, <laughs> yeah, literally. And, um, so with the third worker, there was one day in particular that I was in, he was there putting down, um, wooden flooring in my son's bedroom. And I was painting the hallway outside of the bedroom cause he was going to work his way out there. And I figured, well, you know, then that way if the paint drips or something, it'll go on the subfloor and I don't have to worry about putting down tarps because he'll just come and put the flooring over it. And as I'm standing there, I turn to the stairs. I, I'm mm -hmm. looking at the stairs and there's this young man coming up the stairs and he had brown hair. He had on uh, jeans and a white Oxford shirt and he, he had a ruddy complexion and he had, he had the loafers on like the 1980s and I thought to myself that he was some disoriented person that and that I hadn't heard them knock so I said to him I said did you knock and then I hear the guy that's putting down the floor and say no I might have dropped something and then when I looked directly at the the stairs then the guy was gone so I knew but I could see the mm. waffling of the energy um, in front of the stairs. So I knew that something was still there, but so in that moment, I'm like, okay, we have a ghost in the house. So that particular day, um, I left to go and get my kids at, at school and I'm sitting in the car line in my van. And I get this call from the guy that's putting in the wooden flooring. And he says, I have to leave. I have to leave right now. There's something weird about this house that I've never experienced. And the line dropped. Wow. It took me about half an hour to finally get a hold of him. And I said, well, what happened? You know, or what, what's, what's the matter? Why can't you finish? And he said, well, I'd rather be there when you're there. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to be back for a while, you know, and I need to have the job done. But he never did come back. However, he was a friend of mine's cousin. So I got to find out what actually happened um, in the house. But that because he left so quickly, he did not secure the house. So some of the windows were left open and the house was not locked up and I was going to be working a weekend. So I had my neighbor from next door go with me to go back to um, pull in an air conditioner from one of the upstairs windows and to secure the house. And that's when things really started to amp up. Oh, because it hasn't so, so far. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, I know, right? Oh, my gosh. If, if you know, that's not enough for you, yeah. <clears throat> yes, and, you know, and again, I'm still, like, in denial, and I'm trying to make it work because, I mean, what else am I going to do? Yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've signed on the dotted line. I've actually sold the uh, the place that, that I'm living in. I've got 30 days to get out. So I'm ha going to have to make this work one way or the other. 
So when my friend went with me, uh, we got there. And again, now I'm having trouble with the lock on the door. And I finally got the door open. She steps into the um, the foyer. And, you know, there's one thing about them. There is an intelligence about them. And you do not want to mock them because they will target you. Yes. So she stood there and she said, you're not going to leave me here and let the boogeyman get me, are you? Ha, ha, ha. Well, they targeted her. Yep. And we um, ended up securing the house, but we stopped into the kitchen. And I, I was proud. You know, I wanted to kind of show it off to her a little bit. And and she hadn't been there before. And she's standing in the kitchen and she's holding <clears throat> a uh, wooden carved horse heads, Morgan horse heads in each hand that I had purchased for my daughter's bedroom because she wanted a, a wild horse theme to drape her valances over. And all of a sudden I hear this buzzing energetic sound that sounded kind of like a didgeridoo. It was wah-wah, that, that buzzing sound. And when I turned, I could see this ectoplasmic wall from ceiling to floor moving in on us. And I didn't say anything because I thought I was the only person hearing it. And all of a sudden my friend Ellen says, what's that noise? And I said, oh, can you hear that? She said, yes. And I said, do you, do you remember on the way here, I told you that I suspected that there was a ghost in the house and you said you were okay with coming in with me. And she said, yeah. And then she started screaming. She dropped the horse heads down on the counter and she said, what is it? What is it? A spider bite? She says, it burns, it burns. And when I lifted up the back of her shirt, she had a four and a half inch claw mark diagonal between her shoulder blades and underneath her bra strap and while i'm looking at this i'm like well what happened did you scratch yourself on the car because there wasn't even any furniture in there yet there was nothing that she could have scratched herself on in the house and then she starts screaming again and she said it got me again it got me again and she had another two inch claw mark just below her belly button off to the side and i'm i started screaming out Every name that you could call God from Jehovah to Allah to yeah. Buddha and everything and was commanding them to leave. And that ectoplasmic wall, which is a portal, started to subside, but it didn't go away. It was kind of lingering in the doorways. And I told her, I said, you know, leave. I'm going to go ahead and lock up. And at that point, I wasn't going to mess with that deadbolt and get my key stuck in there again. So I just hand, did the hand lock knob and closed it because I figured... If anybody else wanted to come in this house or break in, this house can handle itself. I am out of here. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. I, why don't Why don't uh, Why don't we take our next break? Uh, for those of you who want to maybe shower in some holy water after listening to that, <laughs> uh, and uh, we can pick up where uh, Lynn left off. What a What a fascinating conversation tonight. If you have questions, put them in the comments. You're listening to Ghost Box Radio, and we'll be right back. I near 56. My gosh, I should be wearing shorts tomorrow. Who am I kidding? I'm wearing shorts right now, and it's 35 degrees out. Uh, welcome back to Ghost Box Radio. Uh, join me tomorrow on Ghost Box Radio with Greg Bakken. We're going to be talking about an area of uh, Minneapolis that I absolutely adore. In fact, it's where I kind of uh, did all my practicing of using Spirit Box and doing my own uh, paranormal journey. We're talking about St. Anthony, Maine tomorrow. Uh, what a! It's going to be a great conversation probably with myself. Uh, it's such a great place uh, that uh, it's worth talking about. And I'll explain why it's probably just going to be 
by myself tomorrow. So uh, definitely, uh, if you have a chance, listen to that. We are talking with author Lynn Monet. We are talking about her book, Omnipresent. She's scaring the you-know-what out of us right now, and I have to, and I, I try not to be... Uh, I have to be careful when I say that, to be honest, because, yeah, that's that's scary stuff, but you lived it, uh, which that's a, that's a huge difference right there. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think to myself, I just think to myself, why do I bring people like you in always when I'm at the station by myself and that this place is is kind of creepy at night and of course I don't have any lights on in here that would be that would be smart so uh it's just <laughs> gosh what a what an incredible experience now where we left off here and we're in our final segment where we left off is um uh you and your friend left your house she's been scratched twice and it's probably worth noting more than likely that her shirt was not scratched, right? No, it was not torn or anything like that. And what happened was is that once we got off the street, these things were continuing to burn her. Um, I also experienced that during an attack when I had a Presbyterian minister and a an Episcopalian priest from Georgia Paranormal named Aldrew, Andrew Calder there too try to remove the things but and I was attacked so I could understand the burning that she was explaining but the thing was is when I got home I couldn't be in denial anymore so I started trying to look up places I'm like oh you know okay well I've got a ghost and something but somebody can come in and get these out so I started looking for help and I I the day after I went through the yellow pages and called every single church and went down the list and most of them were saying oh well you know contact the Baptists they not Baptists the Catholics they do that sort of thing I went all the way up to the Catholic diocese in Charlotte and they told me that they do exorcisms on people but not houses anymore and um, I'm like well it's not me you know it's that house mm -hmm. because I'm not having a problem when I go to my other place. But the thing was, is I also had people that said to me, well, if you were attending our church, you wouldn't be having this problem. I've heard that before from people. Yeah. Yep. And I also had them say to me, because I would tell them, listen, I'm a single mother. I don't have, you know, a person, a man in my life to help me with this. And they would turn around and assume that I was promiscuous and that my behavior was what was drawing them in, even though I hadn't even been out on a date in four years. Yeah. So they were placing judgment on me. And I, I understood that, you know, even though their slogan is, what would Jesus do? Jesus would have helped me, but I also know that they didn't understand or have the skills to help me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So I ended up having um, Georgia Paranormal uh, come in and um, my daughter overheard me talking to Andrew Calder on the phone. And so she came in and she said, when I got off the phone, she said, mommy, she said, <clears throat> I've seen those things too. And I'm like, I, I was kind of playing dumb, like the birds and the bees. You don't want to tell them too much. You kind of want to figure out which way they're going. So I said to her, I said, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, there are three things in that house. She said, one of them is, is a wolf looking demon and i said yeah okay i've seen that and she's talked about the one that th there was a second lower level uh, demon in the house as well because there were two demons and the young man that had hung himself the house and these are real demons these you know people will call you all the time but if they've got a, a lost soul mm -hmm. in their house oh it's a demon and 99 percent of the time it's not it's it's a, a, a poltergeist or a lost soul but anyway these were real demons and um 
So I said to her, I said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, why don't you sit down and draw yours on a piece of paper of what you saw and I'll draw mine and we'll compare it. And they were both so close in the details of what we had both seen. So um, just, I, I know that we're in the last segment, but I would like to add uh, with the third worker, I was yeah. able to find out what happened to him and and so many more things happened in the in this book um of, of different things that i'm not even mentioning here so i saw my co-worker and i said you know um bobby left he never came back i said would you ask him what happened i think it's something paranormal related and she said okay so he ended up going to her house for the fourth of july and he was drinking a few beers so he's feeling a little talkative and so she asked him she said well what happened at lynn's house that you never went back. And he said, I am so sorry. He said, Lynn's such a nice lady, but that house is words that I can't say on the radio, but it starts with an F and it said up. And uh, he <laughs> said, and I, I, he said, I couldn't go back there. He, he, he made mention that he was sitting on a, um, a garden seat, a wheeling garden seat because of his knees, putting in the tongue and groove flooring. And he had a trowel and a block of wood and a, a mallet. And he said that he had just gotten through putting one of the pieces of flooring in and he went to reach for his tools and he didn't feel them there. So he thought he'd run over them and he was moving, looking for them. And then he looked over six feet from where he was in front of the door and they were lined up paralleling each other right in front of the door. And he's, it, it was spooked him. He's like, well, you know, Lynn must have come back and she's playing a joke on me. She snuck in here and she moved my tools. So he gets up and he's calling for me out in the hallway and he's picking up his tools. And of course, I'm not there. And he's he's kind of, you know, trying to rationalize what happened and it spooked him. So he turned on his transistor radio and he turned on the the light and he sits back down and goes to put in another piece of tongue and, and, and groove flooring. And all of a sudden the light shuts itself off and then the radio shuts itself off. And all of a sudden he hears the dragging of his tools. And as he's watching them, they're, they're lining back up in front of the door where he had picked him up before. And he said he couldn't get out of the house, house fast enough. And, and so I got to find out with him what had happened and why the, the people weren't coming back after two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, you think about it. He got off lucky. Yes, he did. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's uh wow. Oh my gosh. Um, I, 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 this here, once again, folks, I'm just going to say it for those who are listening, who think that this stuff is entertaining. It's real. It's 100% real. This stuff happens. And I, I've been doing this for a very long time and I am very thankful. Nothing like that has ever happened to me. I don't, you know, I mean that you don't go looking for it. That's for sure. No, that is absolutely correct because you know what? you may not be able to get rid of it. No. And you've got to consider that. It's 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 very it's very difficult to uh and uh the the name of the book is Omnipresent. Uh for a couple of people are asking in the the chat what it is. Omnipresent is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and as you said uh even uh, Walmart if you uh yeah. go look for it. And uh, my website www.linmonet.com so it's also there. Definitely go there and check it out and it's it's interesting because like like you said and you mentioned and the church asked that it wasn't it, it, it's the house it wasn't anything with the people that's right and I find that very interesting because because I don't I mean and I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination but I 
I don't really ever hear about demons like uh, inhabiting a house opposed to uh, opposed to it, them being attached to people. You know, um, and and I and I've heard that too. I've heard that too. These these entities. There was something that must have been buried on the grounds. I had sure. a lady that came. The last lady that came to try to remove the problem. Um, she made mention that if my house had been built three feet over from where it was, it wouldn't have been haunted because she was talking about ley lines and vortexes and how. Um, some of them travel, even even the the veils and things that that aliens use and Bigfoot uses to disappear and come out of one portal into another. That my house, where it was built, had kind of edged into, broke into part of that, and because there was a fireplace that was built in this room that was in the underneath, you know, the ground, it was just a little air, a window that peeked out over the top. They were able to come into to the house. So and and for whatever reason, when she spoke to the hell dog, because she actually spoke to the hell dog, he presented while she was there. She asked, you know, what they what his purpose was, and he was there to guard something on that land. So as I had mentioned before, it's not about the house, the age of the house. It's about the age of the ground yeah. that it's built on. And I've got orbs flying through my house right now, by the way. I can see um, it. I also heard stuff. It, I heard stuff on the other end. Yes, they're popping into the walls. Those are the yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like right. I said, they like to be acknowledged but not exposed. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, I've, I've uh, got. To, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I lost my train of thought. I'm no, sorry. no, and you know that's the one thing that I love about uh, this show is there's so many times that activity like this has happened during interviews, and this is another example, folks. We're talking about it, so. Stuff drums up. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Lynette asked the question, uh, did you just have to move then? Was there no resolving this? I never moved in. Yeah, you did. I never moved in. I moved. I stayed. I, all of my new furniture and stuff that I had set up in the new house for my kids, their new bedroom suits, we, we moved back into the place that we were um, living, and I canceled the sale of that, and I gave mm. the people their deposit back, and we ended up staying there um i did end up selling the house and just so that everybody knows um i did try to tell the people that were purchasing it from me um because as we were coming out of the house the woman complained to her husband why did you push me and he's like well i didn't push you and she's like yes you did and he said no i'm three steps back from you i can't even reach you and i knew what it was that pushed her because that hell dog kind of um he that was his main place that he was most of the time was in that stairwell he liked that stairwell he would manipulate the locks on the door he would growl at people when they would come to the door and um so i i couldn't have done to me what what the people i understood why the people sold it to me and didn't say anything but i couldn't do that i, I in good conscience so i said to them i said um uh, do you believe in ghosts and they both immediately cut me off and said, no, we're Baptists. We don't believe in those sorts of allowed. things. We don't entertain those sorts of things. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I would have told them the truth if they had asked me, but they didn't want to hear it. And they moved out six months later. I, I could imagine when you heard her say, why did you push me? I bet your, I bet your heart just sunk into your stomach. 
It did. It really, really did. And, you know, I, I drove past there six months later, not wanting to, but there was a backup on the interstate and I had to take a shortcut. And it just so happened that it took me past that way. And when I passed the street, I noticed that there was a sign in the front yard and my heart just sunk because I had really hoped that maybe they had something that I didn't have that would protect them more than me. Or maybe, maybe what I had done to get that, the things out of the house would have had a, a delayed you know, reaction, and then maybe it would work for them. I wanted it to be um, good for them. And it, it, when I went past and saw that there was a for sale by owner a sign in the front of the yard, my heart just sank. But coming off of that street, it was a dead end. When I had to turn around and go back in front of that house, I was trying to be very quiet and, inco- and you know, inconspicuous because I didn't want them to come out and invite me in. I had no intention of going. But my radio of my car turned on full blast when I got in front of that house. I couldn't turn it off. I couldn't change the channel on yep. it. Nothing. It was blaring. And boy, I left skid marks getting off that street I was gonna say, going around that stop sign. I was going to say, I bet, they, I bet it wasn't going to let you just quietly go by. Nope. It was, they wanted to let me know that it was aware that I was there and to let me know that they were still there too. My God, my God, what a, what a story. What a, I mean, honestly, folks, once again, the book is called Omnipresent. Uh, Author is Lynn Monet. Uh, We're going to have Lynn back in a couple weeks. We're going to talk about book two. We can still talk about this as well. The conversation keeps going, but folks, honestly, after listening tonight, say a prayer, close out. Do whatever you need to do. Cleanse yourself of this story, honestly, right? Yeah, sage yourself. Take your salt path. So, ben, and, I'm, and I'm sending love and light to all of you to surround you to, with some protection as well. So please take that as a nice warm hug and uh, protection. And um, a, again, take it seriously. It's not, it's not a joke. Absolutely. Lynn, thank you very much. Uh, tomorrow we'll be back on with uh, talking about St. Anthony, Maine. If you all get any activity tonight or anything from this, let me know. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care, everybody. Good night.